This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Hey there, it is a Wednesday evening, second day of August 2023. Dan Grasso Show, we are live and in living color right here on 98.7 ESPN. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. We're taking it right up until 10 o'clock this evening. Then we'll hand things over to the dynamic duo. They go by the names of Gordon and Larry. You probably have heard of them already. 800-919-3776. We've got Harvey. We've got Joe. They are producing the program this evening. You want to check me out on Twitter, at Dan Grasa, G-R-A-C-A. So, flat happening. You know, we hit the middle of the week. Hump day, as the kids like to call it. We got ourselves our first football game of the season tomorrow night, even though it's of the preseason variety between the Jets and the Browns Hall of Fame game. So at this very time tomorrow, 24 hours from now, you'll hear my voice, but you'll also hear the stylings of one Greg Buttle, of course, as we enter our sixth season together. He and I in the pre and the post game show. Bob and Marty will have the call beginning at eight. Jets, Browns, a lot of excitement, a lot of anticipation, of course, for this 2023 team. Seeing some uh, clips of the Jets as they arrived in Canton. They're taking a tour of the Pro Football Hall of Fame Museum, and tomorrow they'll take the field. Not a lot of the regulars are expected to play, but we'll have some thoughts on it, of course, as we move forward through our little program here this evening. But got to figure, you know, we spent a lot of time the last two nights talking about the baseball season, and rightfully so. Right, yesterday the trade deadline came and went. Mets had a whole lot of activity, maybe not necessarily for the positive in the short term, but you hope in the long term. Yankees, on the other hand, did, well, pretty much nothing. Unless you count, you know, Keenan Middleton and Spencer Howard as something, which I doubt either one is going to make a sizable impact on the team. Forget about this year, maybe ever, as far as I'm concerned. And the Yankees are caught kind of between that proverbial rock and a hard place, let's face it. But apart from that, it's kind of a chance to maybe – Take a step back and really assess where both of these programs are at right now. And really the big picture. Because I know football's popular. Football's the most popular sport in America. No way fans or butts. I know the Knicks are extremely popular in this city. Right? And when the Knicks are going good, as we've seen the last couple of years, that could dominate the airwaves. And it could dominate programs. Right? Because it's popular. But New York is a baseball town. Always has been, always will be. You got two teams, play 162 games, and you know how fans are in this city, right? They treat each and every one of these games as if they were 162 one-game seasons. If they lose, it's the end of the world. You sit there and you pick it apart. You scrutinize every little detail in the game. Like, how did he do this? Why is he doing that? How come they're not better in this particular aspect? One game. One game, you got a lot more to play, but that's how passionate the fan base is. And when things are going good, you start to dream a little bit that maybe the fortunes of either one of these clubs is actually going to manifest itself in October with maybe a deep postseason run. And, you know, I remember there's so many years, so many years, that even though football is the most popular sport, there really is nothing like it when both of these teams in this town make deep runs into October, right? Because maybe apart from Sundays, When the two football teams play, it's still baseball, baseball, baseball that people are talking about until their seasons are over. 
And that eats away almost the first two months of the baseball season. I mean, back in the day, I mean, when the Yankees were, I mean, look, the Mets haven't won in forever. We get it. But back in the day when the Yankees were reeling off, you know, the four championships in five years in the late 90s and whatnot, I, I mean, they were the story up until almost November. That's all anybody cared about. That's all anybody wrote about, spoke about, talked about, unless football teams played on Sundays. That was the exception. But other than that, the other six days a week, it was baseball. And you know what? The more and more you watch these teams play, and not even just play anymore, but the more and more you watch them just go about their business and how to conduct themselves and run an organization, I'll tell you. I mean, you could be the eternal optimist. You could be the most positive fan known to man. But you'd be hard-pressed right now, whether you root for the team in the Bronx or root for the team in Queens, to really think that either one of them is close to one of those deep October runs. Right? I mean, I'd love for you to sit here and try to convince me otherwise, but how can you look at it clear-headed and say, oh, yeah, they got this thing figured out? Everybody knows about the Mets. Record payroll this year right? The most expensive team in the history of North American sports. Nobody had a payroll like this. At the very least, at the very least, you would think this team was going to be playing October baseball. Remember, six teams make the playoffs. You got three wild cards. They didn't have to win 101 games again like they did last year, but at the bare minimum, you would have thought the Mets were a playoff team. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. Mets aren't even going to finish with a 500 record in all probability. So when all is said and done and we play 162, I mean, we're going to sit there and talk about this Mets team as one of the biggest disappointments, one of the biggest disasters that this city has ever seen. And what was expected of them and all the resources that went into this team. And then you flip it to the other side with the Yankees. To where, all right, technically they still have a pulse. They're not out of it. You know, they're playing winning baseball. But I keep going back to the eye test. They're three and a half games out of the final playoff spot right now in the American League. Three and a half games. That's not insurmountable. But if you watch this team on a day-in, day-out basis like all of us do, what confidence do you have and what signs do you have that they're going to be able to snap out of this thing in any way, shape, or form for the remaining 50 games of the season or whatever it is? There aren't any. And then yesterday, when you had the trade deadline, which is going to be the last-ditch attempt for any one of these teams to go out there and actually make a move to enhance their chances of maybe doing something, the Yankees essentially stood pat. But again, I'm not lumping that on top of everything else that ails this franchise because I was right there in agreement with everybody. What could the Yankees have done? In order to get something, you got to give something. And the Yankees don't have anything right now worth a damn that any other team is going to be able to covet. At least not in their right mind they wouldn't. So that's where we're stuck right now. In a lot of ways, we're stuck in baseball purgatory. It's only August 2nd. I know football season starts in a month, but the baseball season still has two months left. Got all of August, all of September. Mets are cooked. Yankees, you know, they're, they're actually like out there living their lives and they're doing their things, but they're a wounded animal right now. They're not making the playoffs unless all of these guys that have been dead weight all season long are suddenly going to hit the fountain of youth 
and rediscover the back of their baseball cards where they actually were productive players and maybe players that deserve the salaries that they're getting. I don't know when the last time is you could go back and feel the way you feel right now about these teams, about being a New York baseball fan, where there's just that little buzz happening right now. Think about it. The most attention the Mets have gotten all season long has pretty much been like the last week when they started this sell-off. And it was, was it too soon? Who's going to go next? What are you going to be able to get in return? Those are the big talking points for the Mets. And you may not get any of these talking points the remainder of the season because what is there to watch now? All these youngsters that they got back in trades that you're going to be excited to see down the road, they're not going to be playing in 2023, at least not up with the Mets. This is just going to be like a patchwork squad that, all right, you watch Francisco Alvarez get his four at-bats and maybe he does something good and blah, 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 blah. You know, the young guys continue to develop. Other than that, what's to get excited about? And shout-out to the fan in the second deck in right field tonight in the Bronx who caught Wander Franco's moonshot off of Garrett Cole right now in the top of the first inning. So Tampa's up 2-0. And for a Yankee offense, which is essentially dormant, two runs might be too much to overcome. But, again, the reality of the 2023 baseball season in this town. This is where we are. And I tell you, You better hope that the Jets live up to expectations. You better hope that the Giants are able to piggyback off of what was a very impressive year one under Brian Dayball. And they show that same type of spirit, and they continue to win games, and they look the part of a playoff team for a second consecutive season because the way this baseball season has fizzled out, that's the last thing that we can afford to have happen in this city to have a miserable fall and winter with our teams. I know the Knicks will be excited for the Knicks, but you know what? Can't get excited about the Knicks, you know, before January because you got a long, long season. First couple of months of the basketball season, it's like a feeling out process, right? That ain't going to move the needle too much. But this is where we are. You know, we always like to have these hypothetical conversations, right? We always like to have these discussions about, well, you know, you've got all these professional sports teams in this city, don't we? Which one is the closest to win a championship? You know, what's, what's the hierarchy of teams that can win a championship in New York sports? And for the longest time, weren't the Yankees, like, always the number one answer? Right? Like, always. Probably for the last, I would say, what year are we? I would say for the last 25 years, maybe more, the Yankees would be the absolute answer to that question. Are they now? realistically right now are the Yankees the team that's closest to a championship in this city I, I, I don't think so they can't be and you pick whoever you want it to be but given the state of affairs with this franchise how can you look at them and say oh yeah this team is close to winning the title we were joking last night about the parade down the canyon of heroes when are you going to see that again and I really want to get in on the Yankees too because we spent a lot of time on the Mets yesterday and rightfully so because they were the big mover and shaker at the deadline. And we'll talk about them later. But right now I want to zero in on the Yankees specifically. And the question that I have for everybody is, if you're a fan of this team and you watch this team, tell me right now, what do you think the plan is? Right? What is the plan for this baseball team moving forward? Because as hard as I try, I can't figure it out. I watch them every day just like you guys do. I cover the sport as a whole. 
And I have no idea. None. They can't even get their story straight when they try to sit there and spew out information to people. And it leaves you scratching your head more so than you did before you even sat down to listen to them speak. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Jam-packed program here on a Wednesday. It's the Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN. Hump day. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Yanks already in a 2-0 hole against the Tampa Bay Rays. Wander Franco hitting one to Yonkers off of Garrett Cole in the first inning. A two-run blast, so the Yanks have some uh, digging out to do when it comes to their offense. Good luck with that as they take on Shane McClanahan who, just like Garrett Cole, is also one of the best pitchers in all of the American League. There was some news, though, regarding the Yankees apart from the on-the-field product as far as tonight's game is concerned. And that came down, I would say, about a half an hour ago. Um, Well, not a half an hour ago. I would say maybe like a half an hour before first pitch. And the Yankees put out a statement saying that Domingo Herman was going to be placed on the restricted list. And the statement they put out was Domingo Herman has agreed today to voluntarily submit to inpatient treatment for alcohol abuse. He'll be placed on the restricted list for the time that he is away from the club. It's critical that Domingo completely focuses on addressing his health and well-being. We will respect his privacy as begins this process. Now, look, obviously the player and the person, the most important thing here, and that's no joking matter. So you hope that he gets the help that he so desperately needs, and good for the Yankees to be able to provide that for him now look the cynic out there is going to look at the events of what happened on Monday night and look you and me and everybody else when we were watching that whole thing unfold about Harmon and the Yankees said that he wasn't good enough to start but then he was good enough to come in the fifth inning and then the explanation that the Yankees provided after the game about he didn't warm up in time for the game or he warmed up an hour before the game and that wasn't enough time to get ready. It just it seems so harebrained and convoluted that, you know, none of us were really buying it. Now you have this take place two days later and people are trying to play connect the dots. But Brian Cashman, in addressing the media before tonight's game, saying that the Herman situation was not related to what happened on Monday. Take a listen. No, I mean, it's a completely separate issue, you know, and, and everything that obviously transpired on Thursday in Baltimore that led to Friday not starting, I think Aaron Boone's already addressed and is 100% accurate. 
And the GM says that regardless of the help that Herman gets and how fast the process actually is, you're not going to see him on that mound at all for the Yankees this season. He's on the restricted list. Do not, uh, do not expect him back this year. And he's dealing with the most important issues right in front of him now. So, we're, you know, but you're not going to see him pitch this year for us. Now, did Domingo say anything to you prior to this whole episode? I don't want to go into any details. I just know that obviously, you know, the steps that are being taken today by Domingo are very important and necessary and, uh, and hopefully it can be a game changer. And lastly, the concern at the utmost is, of course, for the player and his family. I'm just worried right now for the person, the immediate family, you know, that Domingo Herman is certainly a member of the Yankee family and dealing with a very serious issue. And I, you know, certainly I think we all going to keep him in our, our prayers as he takes very important but necessary steps and try to, to deal with this problem. All right. So that's the Herman situation. And again, you hope he gets the help that he needs and he's going to come out better for it. Um, but he's not going to factor into the Yankees' plans for the rest of the season. And I use the word plan because I brought it up before the commercial, and that's the next question here that we have to get to the bottom to. What is the Yankee plan, right? We know what they did or didn't do with the trade deadline, and I told you, I'm all in. I'm not going to get on them for not being more aggressive at the deadline because realistically, what could they have done? It takes two to tango. Any trade that you make, any sort of a transaction, the other side has to be a willing participant. Nobody wants the Yankees garbage. They don't. But what about the rest of this season? More importantly, what about next year? How many times were the Yankees, right, big players, big spenders in free agency? When was the last time that happened? Aside from Garrett Cole. You know, Carlos Rodon to a lesser extent, and you've seen the returns that they've got from him already. But if you've got to go all the way back to 2009, which was the last time this team won a championship, what allowed them to reach the top of the mountain? Well, think about what they did that offseason. They went out there and they signed the best free agent pitcher on the market in CC Sabathia, and they gave him a boatload of money. They went out there and signed one of the best everyday players on the market in Mark Teixeira, and they gave him a boatload of money. They also went and they signed A.J. Burnett who was a quality starting pitcher. So think about those type of acquisitions all in one offseason. Do the Yankees do business like that anymore? Is that how the Yankees run a franchise? I don't think so. Because now all the Yankees are mindful of is the luxury tax. It's about staying under that number, spending responsibly. And when you think about the money that this franchise does spend, and I have been bringing this up for the last couple of nights, and maybe it'll resonate finally. The money that they have allocated to certain players, and I'm talking about the most money, those guys are not giving them the return that you so desperately need if you want to be a winning ball club. Seven highest paid players on the New York Yankees right now, they're only getting contributions from two of them. So what does that tell you? Do you blame the guy that's given out the contracts? That maybe that was bad spending and they needed to do a better job in that regard? Do you blame ownership that maybe they should open up the wallet even further and chase even more high-priced talent to be able to get them here to play in the Bronx? Because maybe you get a little bit more assurance into the production that you hope to get from these players. What is it? Because when you hear Brian Cashman say, that the answers have to come from within, I, I, I mean, that's preposterous. 
I mean, in a perfect world, you like to have that philosophy. But realistically, you watch this team. I watch this team. Are you confident that the answers are in that locker room right now? These guys are abysmal. And you got a guy like Garrett Cole, for example, who's having a phenomenal season. He might win the Cy Young this year. But think about the margin for error that Garrett Cole has to take with him when he steps out on the mound. That mistake he made in the first inning when he gives up a two-run home run to Wander Franco, that might be the game right there. Because the Yankees' offense is dreadful. And those are the guys that are eating up most of this money. Example. Giancarlo Stanton is 33 years old. He's got four more years after this on that contract. He's batting 197. Anthony Rizzo, 33 years old. He's got one more year after this plus another option. How's he faring this year? Struck out five times the other night. Looks like as bad of an everyday player as there is in baseball right now. DJ LeMahieu. 34 years old. He's still got three more years on his contract. He looks like he's been shot since last August. And I'm a big DJ LeMayhew fan. I don't want to pick on Rodon too much, but let's be real. I mean, he has given them absolutely nothing. And you can say, well, you know, calm down, give him a chance. It's been only five starts. Yeah, it's been only five starts. Why? Because he was hurt for the first three months of the season, three and a half months. And that was a risk that the Yankees took because if I know and you know, Yankee baseball op sure as hell has to know that when you sign Carlos Rodon, it comes with a little bit of an injury threat. Does it not? Because that was really his career up until a couple of seasons ago. He, guy could never stay healthy. So all of this talk about the answers are from within. The guys have to do better. Do you really want to go by that philosophy? And are you going to be kidded on the fact that, oh, well, you know what? These are bad seasons for these guys. You look at the back of the baseball card, they can't be this bad. I'm sure that if we run it back next year, they're going to improve. That is a scary, scary place to live. Really scary. Because you know what? Josh Donaldson had a horrible year last season with the Yankees, right? And did the Yankees just wish away last year's bad season for Josh Donaldson, thinking, oh, he's got to be better this year? He's gotten worse. A lot worse. And who knows if he's even going to play another game in pinstripes again. But again, see how dangerous subscribing to that philosophy is when there's no guarantees that these guys are going to turn things around. This could be the beginning of the end. So you've got players right now. I just named them all for you. All that money. Still left on those contracts. All those years still left on those contracts. You tell me, unless Hal Steinbrenner wants to dig deep in his pockets and pull a Steve Cohen, how in God's name are the Yankees getting out from underneath all those contracts? How? You going to pay down, you know, 60% or 70% of what's left on them just to get them off the roster? No way. That ain't the way the Yankees do business. Of course not. You know, we'll talk about the Mets later, like I said, but Steve Cohen's going to be writing a check this year for like $200 million in dead money with all the guys that he traded away. Dead money. Guys that aren't even on the team anymore, but they're still having to pay those salaries. That would be like the 15th highest payroll 
in all of Major League Baseball just with the dead money the Mets are having to pay. But the owner doesn't mind it because the owner's rich. Yankees don't operate in that area of town anymore. And I'm not going to use the phrase because I'm not a big proponent of it. I'm not going to go there. But I know that a lot of you are thinking probably if you know who was still around, that the Yankees wouldn't be living this reality. Maybe yes, maybe no. So I ask you the question, what is the Yankees' plan? Help me figure it out. 800-919-3776. Grasso Show, we're coming right back. 98.7 ESPN. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Remember, we got Jet football tomorrow, so no show. We'll be back with you on Friday at 7. Only got a couple of um, more shows left for us in this time slot for the remainder of the summer. Because, you know, again, once the vacations start, we'll all be moving around and everything. But we'll make the most of it. All good. All right, let's go to the phones. Yankees, the plan. What is it? Jason in Jersey, up first, 98.7. Jason, how are you? Hey, Dan, how's it going? Thanks for taking Jay, my call. Jay, things are good. What's going um, on? I, I really think the Yankees missed the ball at this trade deadline, and you're going to say, oh, who they could have traded. I, I, put, I look, put at three guys that they could have missed. Well, number one is Glaber Torres. He has another year of control under his belt, and mm-hmm. after next season, he'll be a free agent, and he will probably get on the open market, probably anywhere between 15 and I would say $22 million a year for the caliber player is. And I just don't think it's worth it. I thought moving him with a year and a half of control could have, could have got a decent package back. And the other two guys I, I, I'll give you is Wandy Peralta, one. Everybody in the playoffs needs a, a good uh, left-handed pitcher. He would be a rental, but, I mean, for, for a team in the playoffs, that's a, that's, a big, uh, that's a big get. And the other one is Clay Holmes. I think you could persuade teams to trade for him because, one, he has been a bona fide great closer in this league. He, if you remember the first half of last season, he was almost unhittable. And right. he's been shaky at points and better, but he's got, I'm pretty sure, on his contract another year of control. So you could have sold him at a very high price to a, a team that need, needs a closer. So those were the three guys I kind of looked at that they could have moved and got significant value back. I don't disagree with anything that you just said, Jay, and I thank you for the phone call. All right, those were their most marketable assets. It goes without saying. But the problem is, and Clay Holmes, by the way, has one more year of uh, control after this. He's a free agent after the 24 season. So you're right, controllable players. Yankees trading any one of those three guys is essentially waving the white flag on the season. And we live in reality. Right, because we're not invested in it. We don't go to Yankee Stadium. We don't work there. That's not our day in, day out. That organization, though, they're trying to win games. It's a business. They're trying to sell tickets. They're trying to make sure that those seats are full because they got two more months of inventory worth to sell. That's the shame of it. You got two more months, right? Remember, back in the day when you had two trade deadlines, you had the non-waiver deadline and you had the waiver deadline. 
and usually that came up at the end of August. And that one with the waiver deadline, remember, you could trade anybody, but in order to execute the trade, you have to sneak them through waivers, which means any team in baseball can pull them back off waivers, and then the trade won't go through, right? But now baseball condenses it down to just one trade deadline, and here we are. So you're kind of, you have to make the tough decisions about where you stand maybe a little bit earlier than necessary. And yeah, Glaber Torres, I think, out of anybody else on this team, is probably their most marketable asset when you add all those things up. But the Yankees would have known that if we traded Glaber Torres, we're essentially telling our fan base, our customers, that we can't win this year. And they're going to try to win. However short-sighted an attempt that might be, they're trying to win. Anthony in the mail truck is up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Hello, Anthony. Hello, Daniel. Sir, talk to me. What's going on? Nothing much, man. Uh, big, big shout-out to the company. So, listen, the Yankees, I, I didn't think that they could – I didn't think any team in America could do worse than the Mets did last year at the trade deadline. The Yankees <laughs> topped that this year. And, I mean, they made, they made two deals at 5.59 p.m. just to make them. Just to say, oh, we we were one of the teams, you know, that that made a deal, you know, and the fact that this team didn't even come remotely close to getting better, actually getting worse um, at the deadline, and you know, our GM coming uh, with a uh, press conference in the third inning of last night's game, um, you know, the fact that they both got extensions after last year is embarrassing Dan I am embarrassed for this team I'm still gonna watch because I'm a sucker and I'm a diehard Yankee fan and I'll watch you know until until the you know until they stop playing but um you know just listening to the K show today and and listening to to Michael K wax poetic I, I love the guy you know he's the only he's the only voice in my house that I hear more than my dad's and you know I love the guy um but to you know, to to sit there and just wax poetic on how you know the Yankees did a better job than the Mets, you know, yada yada yada. Um, I feel like the Mets had the plan, you know, and their plan was to win the World Series this year. And being that they didn't and they didn't come close, they sold and they got they got younger, which is what the Yankees should you know revolve their their model around. It's it's disgusting. It's disgraceful. Um, and New York baseball has been dead since the, you know, the fourth month of the season and the second, I'm sorry, the second month of the season. And it's not getting any better anytime soon, Dan, next year seems like it's going to be the same team. We don't have a left fielder. We have a third baseman who always great at defense. Meanwhile, he hits 150. Um, I'd rather see Joe Gallo play third. Have a great night, Dan. Talk to you tomorrow, brother. Anthony, you'll be good as always. Appreciate the phone call, and that's we didn't even bring that up yet either. Yankees went into the season without a left fielder; still don't have one. You know, they decided last year. Oh yeah, IKF could be an everyday shortstop. How'd that work out? And thinking you could get him on the cheap, they decided to take on what was left with Josh Donaldson's contract, and how'd that work out? Both of those failed miserably. Again, there have been more missteps than hits when it comes to the Yankees and player acquisitions. Look, anybody, anybody in baseball could give Garrett Cole $300 million or whatever the hell he got. Anybody could. It doesn't take scouting genius. 
anybody could sign a guy like Garrett Cole. Anybody can give Aaron Judge $362 million and re-sign him. All right? It doesn't take a baseball genius to do it. It takes dollars and it takes a checkbook. And those were the exceptions where the Yankees actually opened up that checkbook and spent on players. You know, the final chapter is not going to be written for a couple of years about this particular deadline. Who did well? Who didn't? Was it the right decision? Was it the wrong decision? But I'll say this about the Mets because Anthony just brought it up. Did the Mets swing and miss this year? Absolutely. You could sit there and say it was one of the biggest disappointments, one of the biggest miscalculations in history. Fine. I'm with you. I am not disputing that. But you also can't tell me that every other fan out there, no matter what team you're a fan of, is a little bit jealous of what the Mets just did over the last week because they wish that their team could do something like that because most teams – that go all in on a season and it blows up in their face, they got to sit there and they got to live with it. And they got to dig out from underneath that for maybe two, three years and not be competitive at all. And what do the Mets do? Because the owner is the richest owner. He decided to use some of his money. And while he was selling off these guys, admitting the mistake, ate a lot of the money, which allowed them to maybe facilitate this rebuild a little bit faster and get better prospects than you would be able to get ordinarily. And here's another factor of this. Forget about the, forget about the prospects that they got back. Who's to say these guys would even have been tradable in any other situation? Because if you're not accepting the money, you think, you think the Texas Rangers, even though the owner has a lot of money and they spend big, you think they would have taken every last cent of what was due Max Scherzer? You think the Astros, even though they knew Justin Verlander, would have taken all that money still left on Verlander's deal for two-plus years if Steve Cohen didn't kick in what he kicked in? It's one thing to give up pieces in return, but you also have to welcome in the player you're getting, especially if they're attached to a lengthy contract. And that was one of the reasons why I was skeptical that the Mets would be able to sell off any of these guys. Because they were underperforming to a certain degree, they were old, and they were still making a lot of money. And I didn't know if the owner was going to be as generous as he was. And if you can't blow it up, and you want to kind of just run in place, then you're faced with a situation like the Yankees, where you have the general manager go up there a couple of nights ago and go, the answers are from within. The guys have to play better. See how that works out. 800-919-3776. Grasso Show. We come right back on 9870 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. We'll get into the Mets. Start hour number two. We'll also do all the football stuff with the Jets getting ready to kick off their preseason tomorrow night against the Cleveland Browns at the Hall of Fame game in Canton, Ohio. We'll have the coverage for you beginning at 7 p.m. right here on 98.7. Just during the break, we were having this discussion because uh, Harrison Bader got to third base with nobody out. And Joe Leo asked me, he said, you think that Bader is going to score? And I just said, you know what? I have a hunch. Yes, he's going to score from third base. Well, you bet he scored from third base Because Anthony Volpe, Mr. Chicken Parm himself, goes Apo Taco. There you go. Hit him. Bam, 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 bam. Apo to right field. The short porch in right. In the ball yard in the Bronx off of Shane McClanahan. So we got ourselves a 2-2 ball game. Yankees and the Rays. Oh, baby. 
Pennant Race Baseball in the Bronx. Let's say hi to Omar in Union up next here on 9870 ESPN. Omar, how we doing? I'm doing well. This is my first time calling to ESPN. I appreciate you having well, me on the Omar, show. you know what? We're glad to have you, and we hope you keep coming back many more times. How about that? I'm a long-time listener of the station. Ever since the inception with Stephen A. Smith um, opening up, so I've been a long-time listener. There you go. ESPN. There you go. Yeah, I just wanted to add to your point. Um, I was talking with your producer. Um, it's definitely arguable that – when Aaron, I remember, I think, 2022, the Yankees offered Aaron Judge a contract, what was it, seven years, $213 million on top of his arbitration year of $17 million. Um, I know the Yankees threw a lot of money at him last year, but they, I believe they possibly could have got him a little bit cheaper if they would have came with a lot better contract that year. And they argued with him over arbitration over $2 million, one of the best, one of your best players, that came through your farm system, uh, I, I don't understand that. I'm not a big Cashman fan at all. Well, there, there, there's rumblings. There's rumblings, Omar, that I've heard, okay, that when the offseason rolled around, the Yankees organization, the front office, the whole thing, they were not 100% all pulling in the same direction as to whether or not it was going to be wise to throw all that money at Aaron Judge and re-sign him. And what you just said, and everybody goes back to while they tried to lock him up before last season started, I think that the offer that they extended to him probably lends credence to that, don't you think? And we lost Omar. But, I mean, it has to. Now, look, I personally think it was a no-brainer. I mean, because whether you agree with the baseball decision or not, they are still running a business. And I think that his fans sometimes forget the fact that, yeah, it's sports, yes, it's a game, but to these teams and these respective franchises, it is a business that they're operating. Losing Aaron Judge and letting him walk out the door would have been horrible business for the New York Yankees. No other way around it. That's why Hal, when he was on vacation in Sardinia, pulled over to the side of the road and went to a payphone and called up Aaron Judge at the 11th hour and said, hey, man, you want to be a Yankee? What is it going to take to get the job done? So Judge and his people played it perfectly, right? Made the whole world think there for a few hours that he was going to sign with the San Francisco Giants. And then that got Hal on the payphone, and then that got the deal up, and he goes back to the Yankees. Look, right now, Judge is, what, 31 years old? They gave him a mammoth contract, but they had to do it. They had to. I don't know what type of production you're going to get from Aaron Judge at the back end of that deal. Probably not what you're getting now or not what you're going to get at the beginning of this contract. I mean, that's natural, right? Everybody gets older. Everybody ages. Everybody's production is going to go backwards. But for the short term, and I don't even know if you want to say short, but for the you know foreseeable future, the Yankees had to do this. Can you Im- Look, right now the Yankees are tough to watch. They're tough to watch, even with Aaron Judge in the lineup. Now, I know that it's not 100% Aaron Judge because he's still battling that toe, and he's not going to be 100% probably until next year. But, my gosh, can you imagine having to watch the Yankees every day of the season if Judge wasn't in the lineup this year? Who are they going to replace him with? Remember, they couldn't even find a left fielder. What were they going to do in right field? What, are they going to put Stanton in right field every day until he breaks down again? How would the Yankees have pivoted if – if Judge decided to take that offer from San Francisco. People come to the ballpark to see Aaron Judge play. 
right? He sells tickets, he sells jerseys, he sells T-shirts, whatever it is. You know, and aside from maybe when Garrett Cole is pitching once every five days, who else on this Yankee team right now is somebody that, if you're a casual baseball fan, that you have to go buy a ticket to see play? I can't think of anybody else. Stanton was that guy once upon a time, but he's not anymore. See a 33-year-old guy batting a buck 95 hobble around the bases? That's what you're going to pay big money to see? That's why, that's why you got to go sit in those legend seats to get an up-close view of seeing some guy, you know, limp and hobble around the bags? I don't think so. And the unfortunate part about it is, too, for the Yankees, like we've been talking about here tonight, guys, is what? It still ain't good enough. It still isn't good enough. Like, right now, if you look around the teams that the Yankees are competing with right now for a playoff spot, I'm going to leave Baltimore out of this because Baltimore, shoot, they might be the class of the division this year. Forget about the next four or five, which I think they're going to be. But Baltimore went out there and they brought in Jack Flaherty from the Cardinals. Now, Jack Flaherty, his best days might be behind him. I think he's had too many injury issues the last few years to no fault of his own. It happens. But Jack Flaherty's not the guy who in 2019 looked like a future Cy Young Award winner. But Jack Flaherty's a guy that should help that rotation because he's better than some of the guys that they have in there right now. All right, so they went out and made a move. Look at what Tampa Bay did. Tampa Bay goes out there and they acquire a young, controllable pitcher in Aaron Savali from Cleveland who had a 2-3 ERA. And they gave up a power-hitting prospect in Kyle Manzardo. Yankees couldn't have made that move. Anybody in that Yankee organization that they could have traded to get an Aaron Savali in here? A controllable starting pitcher, which is what they need? You know, that's the other problem, too, with the Yankees. I mean, think about the Yankees right now with that starting pitching. Severino's a free agent at the end of the season, even though right now he couldn't get me out. Frankie Montas is a free agent at the end of the season, even though we don't even know if he can lift his arm, right? Nestor Cortez looks like a guy who maybe last year was a flukish season, if he can't get back out on the mound and produce again, how are the Yankees going to fill out this rotation next year? It's going to be Cole, Rodon, Nestor, you think, and then who else? But then you're also banking on Carlos Rodon to turn it around and to start pitching like a guy who was supposed to be a co-ace of this rotation. We'll hear from Steve Cohen coming up at the top of the hour, too. He spoke. He took the... uh, Gulfstream out to Kansas City to meet the Mets. They said he was mingling in the locker room. Maybe he was just introducing himself to the new players. You know, hey, I'm the owner. I'm the one who spent all that money. And don't worry, if you're not producing and we trade you, we'll pay half your salary. (laughs) So we'll hear from Steve coming up. And, you know, he's kind of just from some of the comments that I've seen already today is that He's continuing on that same mantra that he had earlier in the summer where he doesn't put this on the manager. He puts this on his players. 800-919-3776, that's the telephone number. Let's say hi to Ira in Staten Island. He's up next here on 9870 ESPN. Ira, how are you? Well, good, Dan. Good to to get you back. And do you believe it? I mean, just dial it back a year, well, a year ago in one week uh, to this time last year. And look how the expectations of this team has changed. It's unbelievable, right? It's unbelievable. Um, it, it's it's it probably isn't going to feel like it's really really here until we get to that season opener because the preseason is a crapshoot. We know that we're not going to see as many regulars out there as you would think. But 
it, it's just amazing. And not just that. I mean, you're going to have hard knocks coming on here next week. And uh, look, the Jets are the flavor of the month. They're a national story right now. And that doesn't figure to change anytime soon. No, it's going to be a lot of fun. And I'll tell you the truth, you know, the preseason, it is what it is. You got to get your roster card out and you look at some of the numbers. But I, I will say one thing, whether Zach Wilson plays a series or a court or whatever, uh, he's, he's shown baby steps in camp from what I've seen. Uh, do I ever think he's going to be a starting quality starter in the NFL? I, 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 I finally doubt it. But he's made improvement, which is a good thing. I, I just I, I watch him in camp, and and you know what? Some of the Rogers stuff has worn off on him. Maybe you know, maybe he doesn't feel the pressure that he has to be a starter. Maybe it's because it's not against live action. <clears throat> but he seems more control back there, and that I, you know what? Because I, I want God forbid Rogers has to go out for a game or two. I want to know that clearly you're going with Zach as a backup. And hopefully he could handle the position, and it starts tomorrow night with him. I mean, besides that, I mean, McDonald, you know, we'll see what he does, the Eric Barnes. But besides that, I don't know what else you're really looking for, except you don't want anybody getting hurt. That's exa- Ira, that's exactly what it is. And safe travels out to uh, Canton. I'm sure we'll be hearing from you. He mentioned Will McDonald. I'll say this real quick, because I did a uh, interview earlier today on the uh, Prime Sports thing that Amazon has, like those talk shows in the afternoon. With my man, Master T, it was a good spot. But one of the things I mentioned to him was, you know, Will McDonald, for example. When was the last time? Wow, look at that. A vintage Stanton home run. Opposite field. Wow. Look at that. The more we talk bad about these guys, they're starting to perform. It only took it to August 2nd. Oh, baby. Cashman the genius. Cashman the genius. Standing pat at the deadline. The answers are in that room. You Bet your ass they are. Yeah. <laughs> I digress. Will McDonald, this is the first time in I don't know how long when you're talking about a first-round pick for the Jets who doesn't have to come in here and be an immediate difference maker. He's going to be a situational rusher, but they have so much depth on that defensive line and other guys that are expected to get the job done. McDonald could just contribute in spots. He doesn't have to be a guy who's going to go out there and be somebody they rely upon. And that just speaks to the strength of this roster overall. And a good job by Joe Douglas. All right, so now the Yankees have a 5-2 lead. We come back. We'll talk a little Mets. We'll hear from their owner, Steve Cohen, about the current state of affairs. Grasso Show till 10, 98.7 ESPN. Bam, bam. 